It's Thursday at Full HQ. That means it's time for Energy Industry Focus. We are not doing video today. Apparently, I think a lot of people were sick of seeing our ugly mugs. We got some we complaints. Too many Twitter complaints. <laughs> we hate seeing your guys' faces. Can we just listen to your voices? So we've gone radio now, gone old school. We're going to see how this works for at least a week. Let's, uh, let's dive right in. We had Solar City earnings uh, after hours yesterday. Stock apparently is down double-digit percentages. Yeah, it, it dropped as low as 10% when I was checking this morning before we went online or went on air. And I am just absolutely baffled by this one. I don't know about your first reaction to it. Uh, I guess the reason that so many people are down on the stock is because they posted a loss when there was some estimates that the loss wouldn't be as much as it would. And, you know, classic... Uh, Wall Street overreaction. You know they missed by about six, seven cents on their uh, EPS guidance, and everybody. But net revenue. So yeah. the top line's growing. Top line's growing. Top line's great. Bottom line didn't quite meet it, yeah. and so everybody's overreacting. Oh, these guys are never going to be able to make a sale. But if you kind of look behind the numbers, it, it it baffles me what's going on here. They're growing at over the past five years. They're growing at a one hundred percent compounded annual growth rate. Mm -hmm. uh, they've increased their market share to thirty nine percent in residential installations, which is more than the next seventy companies combined <laughs> in the entire space. Uh, they've cut their cost per watt for installations, sales, and marketing by forty percent. And they're ramping up their sales force like crazy, which is one of the big reasons that we saw the slight miss. Mm -hmm. uh, their sales and marketing costs have, have doubled over the past, uh, in, compared to year-over-year -year numbers. And just as a quick anecdotal on that, I, I do have a friend who works as a, uh, in sales at Solar City, mm -hmm. and he said we are hiring people left and right, and we cannot seem to uh, sell enough of these things right now. Sa sales are just going absolutely through the roof, and they are hungry to to build more. So when I see that and know that with this company being such a cash heavy upfront, you know, uh, yeah, they're providing everything. They're providing all the leasing and, ev and all, all the that. installation, everything like yeah. that. With it being so cash heavy up front and sales accelerating, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that they're posting losses. It's the fact that they're basically buying a 20 to possibly 30 year income stream. Mm -hmm. And with that, yeah, you're going to see losses early. But once that, you know, that platform is built out, that's 30 years of revenue. Yeah. There's going to be a tipping point when they, reach a, when they reach a certain level of customer base where you're looking at, I guess they've been around for a couple of years now, so the earliest clients are, are under 20 years most likely, but there's going to be a point where they reach net profit and they never look back in my mind when they get these 20, 30-year contracts like you mentioned, and the demand is so high that they've actually increased the interest rates they're charging on their leases in California from around 4 to 4.5% to 4.5% to 5.5%. So they're seeing demand enough to where they can start raising interest rates already on their leasing program. Um, and I think one of the other reasons why they missed is because of the commercial side. Uh, they were expecting 44 megawatts of deployment in the fourth quarter, only got uh, 28. And only two of that was canceled. The rest of it is going to already it's already been finished in 2015 or will be finished before the second half of 2015. So uh, agree on the overreaction. I, I look at this company and just scratch my head as to how Wall Street can sell off repeatedly by these slight misses. Because if you look at their long-term guidance on lowering their cost per, cost per watt, getting a million customers by 2018, um, other, a few other long, long-term goals out to 2020, 
they are well ahead of the curve. They could slow growth overall and still reach these goals. So there's a lot of wiggle room built in here, and I'm a shareholder. Unfortunately, I can't buy this dip since we're talking about it today. Yeah, I'm but, actually uh, in the same position, too. I was like, you know, before we got online, we talk about should, it? can we yeah. talk about this, or should we buy it and then be like, hey, guess what, That's suckers? Right. We bought while well, you guys were all worrying about something else. But we're here for you, so maybe it'll still be down in a couple days, and we can take advantage of it. If they um, keep growing like this, yeah, I'll, yeah, buy, this it. I'll a, buy it next week. I'm sure it won't be a problem anyways. This is a recommendation in Stock Advisor Canada. It's a recommendation in at least one or two services in the U.S., this is something that I am going to hold with my head held high. I guess on to the next story. Pretty big, right? Yeah. So the next story we have, which is for some reason making a ton of people react, is the fact that on Berkshire Hathaway's most recent financial disclosings, there was one name that was auspiciously missing, and that was uh, ExxonMobil, which was a position that the company did about less than a year ago, mm-hmm. about $3.7 billion position that just happened to be missing from this, uh, from its disclosure. And there's a lot of people that are kind of, I guess you could say, looking at it and going, oh, he's moving on to new things. He's looking for better things. But Berkshire Hathaway hasn't said anything about selling a $4 billion position, which is kind of a big deal. You know, if you're going to sell $4 yeah. billion worth of a company, you're going to come out and say, why? And so, I have a conspiracy theory. Uh, <laughs> Lay it on us. Conspiracy theory is is that Berkshire Hathaway has not sold ExxonMobil, but is in fact actually building their position. And the reason that I'm saying that is because we saw this exact same thing last quarter. Last quarter, uh, John Deere and Company was missing from Deere and Company, excuse me, the ma- manufacturer of that wonderful John Deere tractor. Uh, it was missing from the 13F last quarter, and everybody said, oh, he sold out of John Deere. He's moving on to other things. Agriculture is not growing, yada, yada, yada. There At was, the moment. Yeah, there was fif- 15 knee-jerk reactions as to why it's not going to happen and that he's moving on to other things. And then this quarter rolls around and there's an amended uh, 13F disclosure on his holdings that shows that he doubled his position in John Deere. And so until I hear from the words of Berkshire Hathaway that they have absolutely sold this position and why they have sold it, I am not sold on the idea that it is no longer part of the Berkshire Hathaway uh, holdings. Let's also think about him moving on to different things. Is $4 billion what he really needs to move on to different things? $60 billion billion in cash cash. sitting on the books. What do you need $4 billion for? If he did sell, the only reason I could see is tax harvesting. I mean, this is the kind of investment that Warren Buffett is going to hold through this downturn. He's not a short-term investor by any stretch of the imagination. And you're likely seeing a, a short-term low in Exxon, at least in the last couple months. It makes no sense to me, knowing, knowing Buffett the way that The Motley Fool thinks it does and, and has shown that it does in the past, this would be an outrageous move on his part and, and one that a lot of people here would question. Yeah, and it, it would seem even more uh, strange, I guess you could say, considering that sold out of ExxonMobil, which... For an oil company in general is not completely levered to oil prices like a lot of the other guys. You know, over the past six months, where we've seen oil prices drop by fifty percent, they've only been down eight to ten percent at most. Mm-hmm. While at the same time, uh, added to his position in Suncor Energy, the Canadian oil sands producer, which, which is, is something I don't I don't dis- disagree with there either. Yeah, and but as a company, is much more levered to oil prices than ExxonMobil. Yep. So to say that he sold out of ExxonMobil only to acquire 
uh, Suncor Energy. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So I am holding to my conspiracy theory that they have not sold out until I hear from the horse's mouth that this is no longer part of Berkshire Hathaway. Agreed. Yeah, you look at Suncor. Um, I think that's probably the best oil producer in Canada. But at the same time, oil sands just aren't there yet, especially with oil the way it is. Like oil sands are the one of the the final frontiers of of high priced oil production. And uh, granted, Sun or Suncor does sell it at international prices as compared to like over ninety percent of its oil sold at international prices compared to peers, which are suffering with the Canadian select price. But um, yeah, I scratch my head if he actually did sell out of this Exxon position. Yeah. So another one of those head scratchers. But on the head scratcher of the day, uh, we see a ton of crazy, crazy media when it comes to oil prices and everybody freaking out at this level. And I, we, I got to really give a tip of the cap today to uh, Bloomberg and Goldman Sachs for just some great over the top uh, <laughs> advice. Uh, what we saw, what they said is in an article, they wanted to give the secret as to why we have seen uh, oil prices drop over the past six months and gave a definitive conclusion. And using a highly technical analysis, using what they called a vector auto regression with sign restrictions. I mean, ooh, ooh. that sounds really, really nice. What they concluded over the past six months is that the oil market is dictated by oil supply, supply and demand, and that it's currently oversupplied. So Never they heard of that before. Yeah, you know, they they brought in the best and the brightest over at ex, uh, over at Goldman Sachs to do this gigantic statistical model. Probably took a whole bunch of st- statisticians and MBAs, paid a ton of money for it. Hundred thousand dollars in man hours for a econ one hundred and one lesson. So congratulations. Bloomberg and Goldman Sachs, you get the Overkill Analysis Award for the day. Speaking of analysis, um, you reminded me of an article I came across the other day uh, from USA Today. It's an opinion piece um, and questionable things through, uh, in a couple different places of the article, but I think the closing paragraph really summed it up for me. The last sentence, but I look for oil prices to stay in the range of $50 to $100 a barrel for a decade or more. 50 or 100. That's a pretty big difference. Great job. Yeah. Great job. Whoever wrote that, congratulations. Considering it's been in You the... really helped us out. <laughs> hey, he's trying to be accurate, and I think he's probably going to be one of the most accurate yeah. uh, prognosticators out there because a lot of people are saying, oh, $20, ah, $120. OPEC you... said $200, and this guy says 50 to 100, which is a a range that it's predominantly been in for uh, the last five to ten years. You are hearing it first, listeners, here from The Motley Fool. Within the next ten years, oil prices will be within the range of $10 to $200. Okay. Guaranteed. We're signing off. That's all we have today. Uh, Berkshire will continue to follow that story because it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, Solar City, fools, don't believe the dip. Buy the dip if you want to get into solar. That's it for Industry Focus and Energy. Tyler Crow, I'm Taylor Muckerman. Long.